Hi, I'm Mike Phil. I'm Mike Butler. And you're listening to the Forgotten Cinema Generic Ad. Join us every Wednesday as we talk about films that seem to be forgotten by audiences, whether it be because a more popular movie was released at the same time or the film simply didn't catch on with an audience in its initial run. We'll discuss what we love about the film, maybe don't love about it, but we'll always recommend you revisit it. You never know, you might find your own forgotten gem. Forgotten Cinema is available wherever you get your podcasts or at ForgottenCinemaPodcast.com or ForgottenEntertainment.com as we are a proud part of the Forgotten Entertainment family i swear i talk more in the episodes hello there i'm daniel and i'm anders we're nerds who love science fiction and fantasy stories so of course we love star wars and if there's one thing the internet just can't get enough of it's nerds talking about star wars so each episode we journey to a galaxy far far away to discuss what's new in the star wars canon and beyond this is yet another star wars podcast yes and today we are really excited to share our reactions and theories for the latest episodes of the bad batch these episodes were written by Dave Filoni and Jennifer Corbett, and they were directed by Saul Ruiz and Stuart Lee with supervising director Brad Lau. And then later, we're going to give our reactions on the latest trailer for The Mandalorian Season 3. Oh my gosh, cannot wait for this thing. <laughs> I cannot wait. It looks so good. <laughs> so this is your official spoiler warning for these episodes and all things Star Wars. So if you're ready, grab a drink from the mess and get to the starting line as we discuss The Bad Batch Season 2. The Solitary Clone, and Faster. Which, I'm not going to lie, every time I see that title, all I can think is um, Jafar in the opening of Aladdin when he's urging the horse. He's like, Faster! I mean, fair enough, but as we were saying just before the pod, I mean, give us a Fast and Furious movie set in the Star Wars universe. Let's go. This episode showed us that we could do it. (laughs) All right, and with that, let's punch it with our episode recap. Daniel, kick us off. All right, so we start off with the solitary clone, uh, and it shows us what's been going on with Crosshair. So he's back in the Empire's service after waiting for rescue on Kamino for 32 rotations, which, dang, he still came back. Uh, he's not too popular, though, with the remaining regs, and he's called into Admiral Rampart's office. Turns out the Empire has gone to the planet Desix, which had fought for the Separatists. Uh, they're trying to install their own governor, Groton, who sucks, and... Uh, He's on the planet, but the local governor, Tawny Ames, refuses. She takes the new governor hostage, and uh, they need a squad to take care of it. With her own battle droids, who they must have overwritten. Yeah, that was great. I love seeing some B1s. Exactly. So Rampart tells Crosshair to report to the war memorial for his new commander, who will lead the rescue attempt for Groton. Crosshair meets this new commander, and it's Commander Cody. Cody is ready to lead, but mentions how many clones are starting to question the Order 66. And was it truly the right thing to do? Crosshair kind of reiterates that he is a product of his training. Good soldiers follow orders. When they're he approaching... says it in that creepy way every time, too. I know. Crosshair voice is just creepy. Ugh. I really, I, I mean, I've known that they do this every every time but it was it was i think it was on this episode or it was in faster when i just kind of cracked up to myself because i finally like sat through and looked at the credits and it just set credits d bradley baker as the bad batch <laughs> it's not like they don't list the individual characters it's just the whole thing <laughs> Should i mean like fair i know but there's the voices are so different God, he's amazing. I know. So when they're approaching the planet, Ames tells the Imperials that they're not going to bow to the Empire. Dooku may have been flawed, but in his ideals, he was right. So these former Separatists shoot down the shuttle, and it crashes. 
surprising that one. She's so cool. I love her. So several battle droids approach the wreckage, but Cody and Crosshair have escaped. Uh, They make it into the city with Crosshair sniping a tank up the barrel. Just amazing. Playing it cool. Tank firing right behind him. He's just like, yeah, let me adjust my scope. Just wait for the proper moment. Just Crosshair, you're, you're the best. So inside the castle, they catch up with Ames, who's holding Groton at gunpoint. Cody tries to defuse the situation, saying they can work something out, and Ames lets Groton go. Once he's free, however, he orders Cody to execute Ames. Cody hesitates, but Crosshair is the one to do it himself. Just remember, too, um, after it's after it's done, he's like, go hang her body in the square. Send a message. Right? He's not just, like, groveling, like, oh, I need... Like, save me, blah, blah, blah. And then, like, Cody does this whole inspirational thing about we've all fought enough. Let's just put it aside. And then execute her, put her in the square. Like, he's disgusting. Groton sucks so much. And I'm glad they included him because it's just the Empire's hubris personified. Like, he's a sniveling coward at his core, but he projects this strength. Like, he's disgusting like the internals workings of the empire just ugh, gross Groton, i hate you uh back on coruscant rampart directs crosshair to his next mission and next commander so cody says uh, or i'm sorry crosshair says what about cody and uh then he has to use the clone numbers because of course rampart doesn't care Turns out Cody's gone AWOL, not unlike several other clones lately. So, uh, yeah, new commander and new mission. And Cody is out to the wind, which, thank goodness. (laughs) Yeah. So our next episode, Faster, picks up where it says, Hunter and Echo are off on a mission specifically to deliver Nerf Nuggets. And all I want to know is what a Nerf Nugget tastes like. I want to try them. (laughs) And do they pair well with honey mustard? I hope not. Honey mustard's gross. Oh, oh, okay. We're going to keep moving because I have a lot of thoughts about that. (laughs) Anyways, Sid ends up that tells the guys that there's another job. And so she recruits the remaining Bad Batch to help out. They travel to Safatoma, where Sid has a stake in a land speeder race. Her driver is a droid named Teo. Teo is a boastful droid, to say the least. Certain Certain he is superior to any organic being on the track. There are several droids and several kind of and several organics in the races. Uh, before the next race, the crew meets Milegi, who has some kind of a history with it. They agree to a standard side wager on the next race. Yeah, unfortunately, Milegi has his racers pincer and take out Teo during the race, and it causes Sid to lose. When Milegi comes to collect, Sid needs more time. He is impatient, but Omega manages to bargain for a double or nothing wager on the next race, which like, kid, you don't know anything about this. This Maybe cool out. This is like a serious, this is a serious like Han Solo move right here, like street Mm -hmm. racing with Han in the, uh, I'm pretty sure he does, he says something similar in Solo, but um, in, in one of the Lego Star Wars things, he gets caught in a situation like this and they're like, why would you why would you bet if you didn't have the money to pay up and he's like it just never occurred to me that i might lose yeah like (laughs) and that's a very that's us we got this (laughs) oh man so they do the double or nothing wager malegi agrees but keeps it as collateral which 
hope uh hope it goes well for you said the crew goes to work repairing the racer and teo uh things are going good and before the race though teo gets run over again and he is not going to be repaired in time like he's he's been destroyed twice the guy is over uh Malegi insists that uh that means he wins by default but tech who's been studying the track insists he's gonna race this time absolutely like, okay man he was trying to give Teo some advice earlier on some good strategies on how to go. And Teo's just like, no, you just got to apply your way through. It's fine. So anyway, Tech uses these strategies. He bolsters his shields at the right moment. He strategically deploys his weapons instead of just trying to plow through. He um, boosts power to his engines at just the right time to gain the amount of speed he needs to safely make it past the most dangerous parts of the course. And in the end, he wins to everyone's shock except his own. <laughs> he's just why are you all surprised i said i was gonna do this i did the calculations <laughs> exactly tech love my guy anyway sid is freed but not before malegi warns the clones that trusting sid in the future might not be in their best interests and we kind of end on this ominous note bum, bum, bum. all right well with that let's move into our reactions to this episode's Daniel you want to give yours first and then any uh since you couldn't join us last time any thoughts you have mm-hmm. on the premiere so I just want to say like the first two episodes great reintroduction to the Bad Batch uh I love that they start with you know in the middle of a heist we see immediately Omega's really come into her own uh it's nice that they've got their own little paint job they're doing their own thing now um it was just a fun way to to get back into the world with them and it wasn't too heavy but it still had some weight to it uh like story wise echo gets some time to shine like with with his exchange with omega um so yeah i really enjoyed those first two episodes um and then these two i had a bunch of fun with them for very different reasons um the action-packed but like emotional story on the first ep or sorry the third episode of the season like that time on Desix was great. I absolutely loved the fight up the stairwell and then Cody's, you know, talk with the governor and then just fucking Groton. I hate you so much. <laughs> and like, so like there was a lot of weight, like, oh, there's, I'm going to get into it in a little bit later, but there's some great stuff they do at the end of that episode on Desix that I just love. And then, a racing episode it's just for me they did it for me and i loved the entire thing thank you bad batch crew yeah i thought these episodes were both great and like you said for very different reasons the character work done for crosshair and cody was just amazing it was so well written it was so well developed um that trick shot uh, with the coin or the uh the reflector yes. up, the, up the stairs was so cool. so cool and then just kind of a fun race romp with tech to balance things out i like that they did something a little bit different with the racing like this wasn't just a pod race it wasn't a swoop race it was something it was something new something we hadn't quite seen before but still felt really familiar uh i saw some criticisms this week from people saying that the writing on the show is inconsistent and i just want to say just because not everything is a super hard-hitting character drama doesn't make it inconsistent doesn't make it bad it actually makes it balanced it, the yeah, show you is can't you can't have every episode being 
uh, like one like the one on Desix, which I'm already forgetting the name of the episode. My bad. The Solitary Clone. Uh, the Solitary Clone. Thank you. I'm so bad with episode names. Um, <laughs> you can't constantly have, you know, harder themes like that one at every moment in the like. This is this is a cartoon. It's not like Andor. We're not exploring deep dark things every episode. Like different right. mediums have different ways of doing things. You have a emotional high that time, like in episode three, and then episode four we have something fun to balance it out, and then we're gonna keep going back up to these big moments and slowing them down, and then like the, it's you have to ride it like a roller coaster. You exactly. can't just expect to plow through like. We're going to do it this way all the time. Right. If it was that way, they'd only have eight episodes instead of 16. Right. Let it breathe. <laughs> Let it breathe. Yes. Uh, what about some particular moments? I mean, we already mentioned that the stairwell fight. Oh, the stairwell fight, uh, crosshair shooting down the barrel of the tank. So those were all fun action wise, but I thought what was really amazing was um, Cody's silent realization of the clones being replaced when he's uh, getting ready to leave Desix and he sees all these TK troopers arriving and he's just staring, looking at what's going on and just like he, nothing has to be said, just the music and, and the look on his face, you know, what's going through his head. And then to come back and have that talk with crosshair just crazy and then the entire race the entire race is my favorite scene it was so much fun i love it so much and tech got to do something so cool uh i felt like they didn't always give him as much stuff to do last season so it was nice to see him just show I am amazing. I did the calculations. I understand how racing works now. Like he's just <laughs> so good. I love him and I will fight to protect him every moment of my life. Absolutely. I mean, uh, yeah, I, I think my favorite moment from the episode again is he gets out of the racer at the end. And he's like, why are you all so shocked? Like the, the math was there. I did the math. I did the thing. He's the best. I love him. Tech is the clone I relate to the most because it's very much just a now, guys, there's a process. You follow the process, it'll work. Like they understand my skills and this, I applied them. This isn't this isn't rocket science, despite the fact that there are rockets and science involved. It was rockets and science, literally. <laughs> and then yeah, I mean, in the previous episode, crosshair shots are so cool. I love those scenes that they had at the war memorial. And I like the fact, first of all, the fact that they have the war memorial uh, at all, I think is pretty incredible. Um, I think it's also probably a little bit too small. I'm pretty sure more clones than that have lost their lives. Right. It, it feels like they just kind of threw them a bone, like, here you go. We're thinking about you to kind of placate them. But yeah, I mean, do they I like really care that much? Does the Empire really care that much? I like that we're seeing more and more of Rampart kind of centrally mm -hmm. positioning him as a villain. We don't really have a spot for, for dislikes on this one, but I will say if I had 10 more seconds of tail, I would have called it too much. <laughs> okay. I just, <laughs> I know that you don't really know who HK 47 is, but for all my video game players out there, HK 47 is this sassy assassin droid from Knights of the Old Republic who always called people meatbags. And it feels like Teo is the racer 
version of that who has all the hubris but not the murderous uh, skill of HK47 and that's why I loved him so much he's <laughs> he's a less violent version of one of my favorite murder boys yeah he he's the first droid I think I might actually be getting a little annoyed at but he was still fun still fun no I will fight for him to the end of my day <laughs> All right, and with that, let's move into our next bit here. We have our Easter eggs, connections, callbacks, homages. Uh, start off, let's go through some of these guest voices. So Tawny Ames is voiced by Tasia Vel- Valenza, uh, who has done voices on Star Wars before. She was on Star Wars Resistance and uh, Knights of the Fallen Empire video game. Okay, she was part of the expansion on that, uh, the Old Republic. They did some really cool stuff with that. Mm-hmm. And then we have Malegi is voiced by the ghostbuster himself ernie hudson what? and oh my god that is amazing <laughs> and teo is voiced by benjamin swartz who is coming back to star wars after he's credited as playing bb8 and i still don't quite know what exactly that means like i mean <laughs> was he like offset just delivering the words that were going to come through as beeps later so that the character. I so want the, to assume that he was also doing the beeps, that he was doing the beeps and the lines. <laughs> I mean, John Ralphio, he does it all. So it's fitting that the guy who plays John Ralphio uh, is Taoke, because for you, he was the worst. <laughs> and that John Ralphio, one of the best characters in, in fiction ever. Uh, that's my hot take for this pod. Uh, we also get, you know, first appearance of Cody since Revenge of the Sith. That is really great to see because, you know, he was fun in Revenge of the Sith. We got to see more of him in Clone Wars. And now he's back after he shot Obi-Wan off that cliffside and killed that beautiful lizard that I am still not over. <laughs> but Cody, it was not your fault. It was the chip. I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt. You ran away and you hated what you did. <laughs> Yeah, we still killed my lizard. <laughs> oh, poor, 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 poor lizard mount. And he's, <laughs> it is one of my favorite moments from the, uh, from the novelization of Revenge of the Sith because they have the moment, and you're actually in Cody's head at that moment when he gets the order, and he says, "Yes, sir, right away." And then to himself, "If only I hadn't given him his lightsaber back, like just now." <laughs> Yeah, but you know what? Good thing you shot him with a cannon and you weren't just firing blaster bolts at him. Oh yeah, it totally worked. He killed he killed Obi-Wan. Mission accomplished. Uh, totally. <laughs> I mean, but I'm saying that hey, if it was just regular blaster bolts, everyone yeah. on that deck would have just been, you know, all reflected back into him. Probably. Uh next up we have Milagi. He is a Dewutan, I think is yep. how we say it. Uh who which first appears uh, in Maz Kanata's Cantina during Force Awakens. Uh, also, shout out, we get a Dewutan in the High Republic uh, as one of the um, one of the Nile Raiders. And shout out to the Ninth Sister Inquisitor from Jedi Fallen Order. I just got your Lego today, and I am so happy to have you. Welcome <laughs> to the dark your, side, baby. Part of your ever-growing collection. Uh, yeah, there are so many of them just staring <laughs> at me right now. Oh, man. So one of the racers is a protocol droid with the head of a B-1 battle droid. And so, you know, more or less what happened to C-3PO in Attack of the Clones, which is 
fantastic. I love that they threw that little nod in there. Yeah. Uh, and there are also, I mean, the, the crowds and the background of Safatoma is just chock full of Easter eggs. I mean, you'll see Twi'leks, you'll see Nyctal, you'll see Aqualish. We got pit droids. There are just so many, including some very fun writings. <laughs> <laughs> so if you translate the Arabesh on some of the advertisements at the race, you can see ads for Blue Milk and your ad here. So, you know, Star Wars universe is just like our own. Yes. <laughs> and that, like we mentioned previously, we've had pod racers. We saw swoop racers. Uh, but these speeders seem to be a little bit different. They have full-on weapons. They have blasters. Mm-hmm. They have shields. This is much more of like a Mario Kart style race than anything we've seen before, which just kind of makes it fun and exciting. And that's why this just whipped so much ass. This was so cool. When are we getting a Mario Kart style Star Wars game? Let's do it, you cowards. Put it on the Switch. I know it's competition, but do it. You know how much fun that would be? Oh, my God. Maybe if you break apart one of the crates, you can get a Wayfinder. (laughs) Don't get me started. Fucking Wayfinder. All right, now let's just get into some other, some general discussion on these. Let's start off with uh, Cody's choice. Now, he's apparently not the first clone to go to abandon the Empire. It seems to be happening more and more. And, you know, Colleen and I touched on this a little bit last week when we were thinking about the control chips. Hey, Daniel, mm-hmm. what are your thoughts on the control chips versus kind of like the free will of the clones? What's going on? So it, it feels like the control chips did their job during order 66, but they don't necessarily like, it feels like they're kind of losing their hold on the clones. Like they're kind of, a lot of them seem to be going back to their personalities pre-chip and it, it feels like maybe the empire didn't fully have this inhibitor chip situation, you know, under control the way they thought they did, or maybe they just didn't care because they knew they were going to be, phasing the clones out um but yeah it it seems like a lot of these clones just seem to be you know realizing what's going on and realizing like oh man i killed my commander i killed my general who i had like a genuine friendship with for a lot of these uh commanders so i don't know i think i think cody's really grappling with what he did and realizing that that's not something that he would have chosen himself Mm -hmm. and even though that's not what he would have chosen to do it's still something he did and he has to live with that and i think he's i'm i'm glad he's on the run but i don't i'm i'm afraid for him because you know he's not part of uh he's not part of the crew in rebels so i'm afraid of where he's gonna go (laughs) all right and the other clone that took center stage that episode is crosshair obviously so apparently when he made it out and he got rescued. He kind of just said, I mean, I made it out. Apparently no one else did. And the Empire just quote unquote believed him. But here we see him. The other clones want nothing to do with him. Now, when the Bad Batch was first introduced, they were they were a little ostracized. They were because they were different. Yeah. But the Rex still seem to have like a certain amount of respect for them, at least, especially out on the battlefield. And here they just no one wants anything to do with Crosshair. He he's alone in the barracks. No one wants to sit with him in the mess hall. And yeah. what do you th- what do we think about this? I mean, so 
I have a few ideas. I think part of it is he quickly was working with TK troopers and, you know, was working with these proto stormtroopers. Uh, and, you know, it, it might feel like a betrayal uh, for the regs, like in their eyes. He's also, you know, like you said, they were a little ostracized before and maybe, you know, it's just exacerbated by some of these other things. Plus, how much do these clones know about the destruction of Camino? Maybe are they angry at him, you know, for his involvement in it? They don't quite know what happened, but they know that he was there, maybe. So that's oh, kind that of the issues sense. that I was thinking of, but hmm. I hope they go into it a little more later. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that, that the idea that he was complicit in destroying Camino, that he was already with TK Troopers at that point. Yeah. Ooh, that's an interesting idea. And it, that also kind of gets back to um, the clones kind of being more individualistic, regretting the choices of just kind of joining into the Empire. Yeah, I don't, I think the problem is the Empire probably just didn't think about or didn't really give a shit about what the clones would feel after, after you know, killing their Jedi generals. Maybe... They never really thought, you know, the Jedi were going to, like, so many of them would try and forge relationships with these clones and foster individuality when that's not what the clones were supposed to be. Um, it's, you know what, it's it's almost like the Empire hoped that Pong Krell style Jedi would be the, the regular, <laughs> but that's not what they were. I mean, yeah, if the I don't Republic so. was full of Pong Krells, I don't think the clones would feel too bad about Order 66. <laughs> and I know our friend Joe would be happy if that were the case. Oh, man. Pong Krell supremacy from Joe's point of view. Yeah. All right. And then next up, we have Admiral Rampart. Now, my question about him is, what does he know? Because he's obviously playing his, his own hand very close to the chest. He knows now that the Bad Batch survived. He's obviously not telling Crosshair he knows that. And what is, is do we think he only suspects Crosshair's involvement in that at this point? Or do you think he actually has something a little bit more concrete up his sleeve? Is he, he's potentially just using Crosshair until he's no longer useful and then he'll take care of him? Just like he took care of that other clone? Yeah, I, I think he's just playing the long game. Uh from his point of view, Crosshair still wants to serve. He's still being an effective soldier. So I think he's going to milk that for as long as he can. But he's putting the, the pieces in place to, like, if he needs to make Crosshair a fall guy, he can do that. Like, he can dispose of him in an instant if he wants to. I think that's what Rampart's trying to go for is, like, he's an asset until I have no use for him. And then I will toss him aside like any other clone. Makes sense. <laughs> All right, into the episode faster. Uh, I just want to talk about Tech's confidence once again. This yes. is really just an excuse for me to mention Tech again. He's my guy. He just looks at the problem, processes how to solve it, and then just go for it. His entire strategy for the race was, let's use strategy. <laughs> he took yeah. in information, <laughs> and he did everything he could to determine the best possible course of action. I always got to love a uh, let's just drop all the unnecessary stuff so I can go faster moment. And one of the cool, one of the things I liked about this, 
yeah, one of the things I loved about Tech in this episode is also he didn't have it, almost any other Star Wars character in this moment would be like, I'm a pilot. I'm the best pilot in the galaxy. I can race. And Tech's just like, I did the prep work. Yeah, sure. I can do it. <laughs> yeah. Like, okay. <laughs> like, I have a checklist. All the check boxes have been checked. We're good to go. <laughs> so while we're on tech real quick, I just need to mention this. Twitter, sometimes you need to calm down. Uh, the gif of tech getting into the cockpit was uh, circulating around, and some people were making thirst tweets about tech's crotch. And I just need to say, calm down, you disgusting heathens. <laughs> like, <laughs> calm down, you nasty, nasty people. Like, don't sexualize our poor little tech. He's He doesn't know what's going on. He's just here to do crunch numbers. He doesn't understand any of that. Hey, someone's got to educate him, Daniel. You know what? Not my job. <laughs> All right. Then I want to talk about uh, Sid, her history and her future, because this isn't the first time someone's told us to mm-hmm. doubt her or be wary of Sid. At some point, are we going to see her past catch up with her? And will Omega's kind of unyielding optimism and loyalty fundamentally change her in some way or bring out something that was always there in her? I feel like they've already started to break through Sid's kind of shell. Like, it it feels like, you know, between interactions with her last season, what they've gone through, helping her out here... I think the real Sid is breaking through. They seem to really have something there with her. And I think she really does have a soft spot for Omega. Could she turn on them? Maybe she'll go back to her old ways if she really has to save her own skin. But I feel like, I feel like they've earned a sense of loyalty from her that maybe she didn't have in the past because she was working with scumbags, you know, like Malegi and other like, people who suck like these Sid <laughs> probably was not a good person back in the day. Uh, and she probably sucked before too, but it, it feels like maybe the bad batch found her at the right place in time where like, she's trying to be better now. And so I think that her past might catch up to her for sure. I feel like it might hinder the batch in some way, but I don't think that she's going to, I don't think we have to worry about her anymore. I think I think she's kind of proven herself and the batch has proven themselves to her where they're going to stick together. Uh, optimism, optimistic thoughts. I, I, yeah, like I don't want to be like too optimistic, but I feel like Omega's on the right path there with her. Yeah. And speaking of Omega, she just has this determination and trust in kind of the good nature of the galaxy like in the opening episodes we saw her at a little bit of a low point you know she was just desperate to prove her worth to find her place among this crew but here we see in spite of all of that she hasn't lost that steadfast belief in what's right and what's wrong that sid is their friend therefore they need to help her and i just thought that was a really nice moment it's a good character moment for her and it's a nice little breakthrough into you know tech and tech and wrecker who Wrecker is probably the most quote unquote emotional of the Bad Batch. Yeah. 
that's fair. <laughs> and Tech, while he may not be traditionally emotional, he does have a pretty decent moral compass. Yeah. Yeah, he, he understands things. Like, he knows what's going on. I... It was nice to see, like, them actually follow her lead a bit and just... it Like, they're treating her like she is part of the Bad Batch, which she is. It's not... It doesn't feel as much like the Bad Batch plus Omega anymore. It, it's like, yeah, she's part of the crew. They're listening to what she has to say. They're voicing, you know, when they feel like maybe this isn't a good idea, but they're not just shutting her down. They're like, all right, I'll go along with it. Mm-hmm. So, it, yeah, it's just it's nice seeing the integration of like, no, these are really her brothers now. So, yeah. I love um, Echo. I do love Echo. Or, I'm sorry. I'm not Echo. I meant Omega, but also love Echo. I do. Yeah, I do love Echo, and I love Omega. I like them all. Um, which gets into our next art section here. Our, any final questions we have coming out of these episodes? Predictions for what's coming next? What do we kind of want to happen next? I would think, considering these were two episodes that kind of s- focused in very specifically on individual characters, mm-hmm. we had Crosshair, we had Tech. Are we going to get an episode next week where we actually go on that nerf nerf nugget hauling mission with Hunter and Echo so that we can kind of focus in on like on Hunter since Echo kind of got a time to shine in the premiere? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that would lead, lend itself really well. And then they can kind of all come together that I think we have next week. We have one more and then the two part midseason oh, finale. Wow. Yeah. So. Yeah, we're pushing along. Yeah, so then they can come together just in time to do kind of a nice like three, two or three episode arc with everyone all together. I think that would make sense. I want honestly, I want to see more of Rampart. I want to see more of what's going on in his head. I think I think maybe that might be more of the back half of the season. Uh, I feel like Rampart's influence is going to grow more and more as this season goes. Mm-hmm. Uh, like we're going to see more of him working in the background and what that means for crosshair um yeah, yeah. i also want to see i want to see him scrambling to cover his ass yeah i feel like i mean does he really have to cover his ass that much because his asset was the one on the ground he's the one who ordered you know camino to be bombed i feel like he's trying to put crosshair in a situation where if he needs to he can say well crosshair didn't do his like he didn't he betrayed us and like i think he's trying to use that as an example of why the clones need to go like i feel like he's he's making him a scapegoat in case he needs to oh definitely he is but i mean i feel like he in killing the clone for not falsifying a report and then falsifying the report himself, presumably. That's true. That's true. Like, oh, he did do that. He had to do that. And so because he didn't want to admit that the Bad Batch was still alive. Just the Empire constantly just scrambling to one up each other. These little assholes. What about you, Daniel? What do you think is coming next? Um, so I'm with you. I really hope we keep giving these, you know, Episodes where maybe we don't focus on everyone, give everyone their chance to shine. Um, Yeah, we haven't really checked in with Hunter as much this season. I mean, he was the main focus mostly, uh, like him and Omega last season. 
So I'm not like opposed to the fact that he hasn't gotten his own episode yet, but it would be fun if we got to see Hunter and Echoes, like what they were up to on that Nerf Nugget mission and just seeing it maybe go nuts and like completely go sideways. That would be a fun episode for next week. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying uh, this, you know, way of exploring all the characters this season. Um, I hope we get to see a little bit more of the, of the clones. Like I want to dig into that resentment towards crosshair. I want to see how these clones feel about being replaced by these TK troopers, you know, proto stormtrooper types. Um, but, you know, the empire bombed Camino. That's their home. I wonder how much do they know? Are they going to find out? Is that going to like, is that going to make resentment flare up too? I, I hope that we are, kind of leading towards a clone rebellion because we're seeing all these defections i feel like that's got to go somewhere the empire's doing all these things that you know will make the clones feel less and less important i i really hope a clone rebellion is where we're heading if not at the end of the season maybe a season three so could be what happened to the younger clones they were all loaded into the ships yeah what's going to happen with them and that's that's still their brothers Mm-hmm. Are they going to stand seeing their younger brothers experimented on, used as slaves? Like, what are they going to be used for? Because it's nothing good for the Empire. No, it's nothing good. All right. Well, that is going to wrap it for our Bad Batch coverage for today. But before we go, we did get a new Season 3 trailer for The Mandalorian this past week. And we just have to run through some of our favorite highlights uh, some of our reactions and a little bit of other uh, Mandalorian news we got. So, Daniel, I thought of you the second I saw this on the screen. Yes. In addition, Din. in addition to oh. his Naboo starfighter, which he still has a hot rod. What else is Din using this this season? So he's flying one of those Mandalorian uh, Cormric style uh, fighters. Those things are so cool. You know, with the the wings that can revolve around the cockpit. <laughs> I love that design. It's so cool. And it's nice that he's going to be using something, you know, to kind of, you know, dive into that Mandalorian culture a bit more. Get in, use your people's craft. <laughs> yes. And we see so many Mandalorians. He's. Yes. He, he's with that. And I actually saw a lot of them with those kind of like the. I, I feel like the best descriptor word is for it would be the kind of more feminine uh eye visors they got those yeah, like long I think, ovals i think that's like what Bo-Katons. it's supposed to imply i think yeah. that that style is like a is like for female feminine mandalorians for women and then i think the classic like tea style that boba fett has is supposed to be for men and that's a cool addition like i don't think i've that's ever really been a thing until like, well, i had to check Clone wars introduced it yeah, Clone Wars definitely is what introduced it because I had to check because originally I was actually like, I feel like I know Bo Katan has one like that. So ooh, I was yes. starting to theorize that maybe these were some of her old night owls. But oh, yeah. uh but then it I might double just checked be a and, full Mandalorian thing. And yeah, I double checked. Sabine has those as well. Um they're not so, quite as slanted, but they she does have those kind of oval oval ones. This is an interesting um development because I know before in like pre-Disney canon and just like Legends canon, uh, Mandalorian armor was kind of similar for men and women. It didn't really matter. Uh, for 
anyone who likes you know Knights of the Republic stuff, Revan, that main character, whenever you see him with his mask, it was a it was a, a woman Mandalorian's helmet that he took. Um, and it looked like a regular Mandalorian helmet that we associate with like Boba Fett, Django Fett. So it's kind of cool that they're making that difference, like that different yeah. style. Yeah, it gives it like a like a unique character kind of yeah, it's like it's it's fun for Mandalorian culture. Like it's seeing the different things they do for their for their warriors. Mm-hmm. So speaking of Mandalore, uh and Mandalorians, we're gonna go to a lot of different places. Speaking of Mandalore, like we said, <laughs> Tatooine. Uh looks like though Coruscant it looked like the uh the doctor was on a speeder uh on Coruscant. Yeah. Uh, could we be going to Chandrila? Maybe Hosnian Prime because you know we're we're looking at the New Republic now. Or have they already moved out there to Hosnian Prime? And uh, Navarro looking nice. Yeah, <laughs> the rebuilding effort on the rebuilding effort on that planet went very well. If that is in fact Navarro, <laughs> they secured the bag. <laughs> we went from uh, we went from oh Jesus, this just Tatooine again to like full on urban center trees everything. <laughs> Like, no, 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 we're doing a rebuild. We've uh, got a parks budget, you know, greenery. We're doing it. Yep. We also get a really cool shot of Grogu um, really actively using the force. Uh, you know, in season one, he had that moment with the Mudhorn where he kind of was acting on instinct and then fell. Then, of course, now he's been through a little bit of training. And so this time he throws that dude out of the cave and is like, propelling himself with the uh in his little carrier yeah like come on man let's go i'm glad to see him leveling up absolutely and uh it looks like you know they're they're hinting towards some stuff in the future it looks like there's some dark forces rising uh in the galaxy as uh i mentioned dr pershing could not remember his last name uh we see him and so what could he be up to? What are this cloning stuff that he's been up to? And uh, we get some narration from Captain Teva, our old friend. So good to see him back. Mm-hmm. I wonder if they're going to center him now around if they ever go back to the the, uh, the Rangers of the New Republic. Uh, since they got rid of Cara Dune, maybe they'll uh, center it around him. I mean, he's a, he's fun. I like him. Mm-hmm. We get a, we get another shot with the armor. Uh Mando is saying is telling her that he's going back to Mandalore to atone for taking his helmet off. So he is still bound to her in some way. And she just seems to appear in all the most random places. <laughs> She's a survivor. Doing, doing her thing. She feels like a, a video game vendor where you're just walking through like a, an abandoned castle and they're like, <laughs> what are you doing here? Why why are you here? Yeah. I because this is the way. Like she's, I, I like her as a character, but I'll be honest. I really hope that Din kind of looks past their fanatical way of being Mandalorian. I hope his exposure to all these new Mandalorians this season might like, maybe he sees some people from outside the cult and he learns different ways of being a Mandalorian. I don't know, man. Pedro Pascal's schedule's tight. He can't be on set all the time with his helmet off. He's got to film Last of Us Season 2. I mean, <laughs> of course there will be a Season 2 because my God, it is so good. Two episodes in and I'm already in love. 
All right. And then we also get we get more of this Order 66, presumably, again, from Grogu's perspective. We got that brief shot in his memory before. I don't know about you, Daniel. I think we need to get some answers on this because or they need to stop teasing us. Like there's been some talk about like why we just keep seeing Order 66 over and over again. But I mean, in terms of Grogu, we have legitimate questions. We want to know who rescued him. We still don't know when Din found him in the very first episode of The Mandalorian. We still don't know who was holding him and why. All we knew was the Imperials wanted him, wanted to get him. Yeah. So, um, in in the wise words of Plato, shit or get off the pot. Like, come on. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I like Grogu. I like Grogu a lot. But... I feel like we do need to get some answers for him soon because I mean, he's fun and all, but I really am more interested in the Mandalorian side of things like this Mandalore plot. I I would like us to maybe spend an episode or two finally diving into that. And then let's focus on other stuff because Grogu you're fun, but we don't need to keep flashing back to this. Yeah. And, and I mean, I'm specifically talking about order 66 here. Like, yeah. Love me some Grogu. Love it. Love seeing the Jedi in a battle, but we we know how it ends. We just need right. to get a couple of the the, the nitty gritty details, which we so do. So I am I am gonna put my little tinfoil hat on though. In the uh like little clip we see of Order 66, there is a Jedi with a green lightsaber and a white hair ponytail. I wonder. Are we going to see live action Sendralig, uh, the battle master from the uh, Clone Ooh. Wars that we see? If he had his last stand trying to defend Grogu, that would be a very, very fitting way to see him go. That would be really cool. I would love uh, to now see I just want to see it. I mean, like, that would, be, that would be a great way to cap off the Order 66 stuff by seeing the last stand to defend Grogu and then what happened from there. So I'm going to, I'm going to make a little prediction. The Dr. Pershing scene where it looks like he's on Coruscant might be a flashback. Ah, you think he wonder if it's a, no, not saying that necessarily. I think we might see kind of the history of what happened with Grogu. I wonder if we're going to get like a flashback episode where we see, what happens to him from like order 66 to how he gets to den in episode one. Interesting. All right. Next one's you. Salacious B. Crumb. I love him. That little Kowokian uh, monkey lizard. We get to see him hanging out in the trees and presumably um, on Navarro. I mean, I highly uh, doubt it's actually him. Yeah, no, it's not him because he blew up on the, uh, yeah. on Java's speeder, but. I mean, I love him. The Salacious B. Crumb is the best name, and I think that should be the species name from now on. And it looks like we're getting a couple of Anzellans, a.k.a. Little Babu Fricks. Love them. I They should just have a team-up episode of, of those. Not in, in Mando, but like let's get, let's get like a Lego Star Wars thing or something of just some Kowokian monkey lizards and Anzellans running around. It would be amazing. <laughs> That's a Lego Lego Star Wars episode. It's perfect format for it. Oh yeah, Lego Star Wars uh, Safari. <laughs> there we go. 
All right. So, Daniel, after we see this trailer, what I mean, I safe to say we're both pretty hype on this. Oh, yes. Um, what are you most looking forward to out of this season of Mandalorian? I am really excited to see what's going on with the Mandalore plot. Is Din going to become the Mandalore himself? Like, is he going to actually try and take up the mantle of the Darksaber and what it means? Uh, is, you know, Bo-Katan has been an ally for most of her time on screen. Are we going to see her turn and have to fight Din? Is she going to try and take you know, the dark saber for herself and really try and earn it. Like it would be wild. I wonder if she's going to start like a little Mandalorian civil war against him. Ooh. So I, we don't know where she's going to go. Cause I mean, I love her, but she's not the most stable individual. She's Fair. done some things that are not great. <laughs> so, yeah. And I think, I, I agree with you. I'm most interested in actually going to Mandalore to seeing it really realized in live action. We saw a lot of it in the Clone Wars, but to see those kind of like d- the destroyed domes yeah. and to just go through those ruins to get back into that throne room. In live which, action? Oof. I mean, Ahsoka and Maul didn't exactly leave that room in the best condition, but... <laughs> no, they did not. <laughs> it would be so great if somehow the... Uh outline of Maul getting pushed through the window like you remember how (laughs) (laughs) there's that like outline of him I want that to still somehow be there I know it would make no sense I want it to somehow be there that'd be an amazing easter egg Uh, and then I'm also just looking forward to we got the list this week of the directors for the the Mandalorian season 3 now there are 8 episodes and we have 6 directors and I gotta say I'm looking forward to what these people can come up with yeah so starting off, we have Lee Isaac Chung, who is the Oscar-nominated uh, director who directed Minari. I am so excited. I just bought that the other day, and I'm going to watch it uh, this weekend coming up. So I'm really excited for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rick Famuyiwa um, has directed Mandalorian episodes before. He did two episodes in season one, including The Prisoner, mm-hmm. and did an episode in season two. Bryce Dallas Howard's back again after directing yes. one episode per season plus the Mandalorian-centric episode of Book of Boba Fett. Uh, we All have... of her stuff has been amazing, and yeah. I'm just – I assume that it's going to be great because she she has the vision. She's great. Yeah. I've been amazed that she hasn't – I was I actually went – I looked up her IMDb again because I was like – I know she's been, like, filming – she had to film the Jurassic World movies, but, like mm-hmm. – I can't believe she doesn't have like a couple of movies on her docket yet. It turns out she does. She's doing a reboot of Flight of the Navigator. If she's interested, give her a movie if she's really interested. Because I think she's shown that she can do some really good action, especially season two when Bo-Katan and Din hijack that Imperial cruiser. If she has interest in doing a, like a fun action movie like that, I think she could do it. I mean, if Patty Jenkins, it turns out, really does walk away from Rogue Squadron, maybe. <laughs> okay, that is that is a shout and a connection that I can get behind. <laughs> I do want Patty Jenkins to do that movie, though. I want that movie to come out. I really do. Uh, we also have Rachel Morrison, who is an Oscar-nominated cin- cinematographer. 
I believe she did the sim- some of the cinematography on Black Panther. Uh, she has a f- she has a few different TV directing credits. I think she's done like an American Horror Story um, or an American Crime Story, one of those two. Um, we have Peter Ramsey, who is the director and Oscar-winning producer of Into the Spider Verse. Hell yes. And then Hell yes. we have Carl Weathers, who has directed a few things in the past, and he directed The Siege in season two. I think that was a fun episode, so I'm glad he's back for that. I'm glad he's back. Notably, they have said that uh, Filoni and Favreau are not directing any episodes this season. So that's interesting. I wonder, you know, gives them a little bit more time to work on stuff behind the scenes. So it's okay. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. And to be honest, it seems like I don't know all of the directors on here, but actually I know most of them from this stuff. I haven't seen Lee Isaac Chung stuff yet. And I don't really know Rachel Morrison that well, but like I've seen stuff from the others that I've really enjoyed. And sounds like Rachel Morrison and Lee Isaac Chung have got some some pedigree behind them so yeah this is a murderer's row of talent yeah i'm like okay even though i don't know those two as well i could clearly see that they've got talent like yeah this (laughs) this is fine if feloni and favreau aren't directing that's fine like they got some good people in their place so yeah i'm all for it definitely all right. Well, that is going to wrap it us up for us today. So thank you all for joining us. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at YASWPod. Follow us wherever you're getting your podcasts. Stitcher, Spotify, Apple, Good Pods, whatever you're doing, hit that follow button. Uh, you can check out all of our previous episodes and on the main Star Wars films and other great Star Wars content uh, over at ForgottenEntertainment.com. You can also check out all of the offerings in the Forgotten Entertainment family over there. Uh, you can find myself and Colleen over on the Bohemian Geek Studies podcast. You can also find Colleen's Star Wars book reviews on BohemianGeekStudies.com. And come back with us next time. Uh, we'll be back in a couple of weeks to look at the next few episodes of The Bad Batch. Colleen will be back with us as well. Sad yeah. she couldn't be here tonight. We know how much Colleen just loves racing episodes. It's the her favorite thing. She said that she wanted us to mention that explicitly. Exactly. Colleen loves racing. <laughs> and uh but until then remember that you can always just go faster bye everybody bye meat bags <laughs>